Dr. Amalia Ganyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us in our Johannesburg studio today is Nina Hasty, comedian, actress and voice artist. She has started her launch of one-woman shows, One Night Stands, to Menina, and on Women's Day, she is joining a lineup of an all-female entourage of comedians for the Kings and Queens of Comedy, Women's Day edition on 9th August at Emperor's Palace. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. You know, um, it's so interesting. I listen to a lot of podcasts uh, and... Uh, I always wonder what it looks like in the studio because I've done a lot. I've done radio since I was thirteen, which is like twenty-three years ago. Um, and I've when when I listen to podcasts, a lot of them because podcasts aren't as big in South Africa. There's quite a lot of I listen to English podcasts, I listen to American podcasts, and I often imagine what because podcasts aren't done by radio presenters or broadcasters they're done by experts a lot of the time and um i'm sitting with an expert you, you know you're doing your second phd and you are so well prepared it's so funny you've got your list of things to do and you're like okay this is what we are, we're here to do and this is the thing and this is what it's like so this is, it's so interesting because you are what people look like on the inside of the podcast it's it's quite cool <laughs> Very cool. But thanks for giving mm. such an apt description. Mm. And um, instead of just having the voice, we've we've now got a bit of a, a mm. mental picture mm. too. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Um, yes. So, because uh, I feel what uh, entertainment lacks a lot of, because we're such a, a small industry, we have to do a lot ourselves. Um, so what we lack a lot is people being thorough. Um, because we don't always have the privilege of being thorough in many spaces. So you are the writer, you're the director, you're the PR, you're the makeup artist, you're the stylist, you're the uh, accountant, you're the uh, marketing person, you're the salesperson, you're the merchandise coordinator, you're the um, person that has to go to jail when you don't pay your taxes, you're the you're the driver to the gig in Hamans Kral, you are the everything. It's a lot. And I must say, you've uh, you've described us, but I'll, I'll just describe Nina to to the listeners. <laughs> Nina has brought along her little bag of tricks. She's so organised. She has a whole luggage bag and ever prepared for <laughs> any eventuality. I thought it was a TV interview, and I was just like, okay, first of all, if they don't have a makeup artist, I've got a makeup bag. If they don't have a hair person, I've got a hair kit. Um, I've got two different uh, pairs of shoes in case there was a clash with the clothing that I have, because I know that. TV people don't like stripes. These are quite broad stripes, but it's quite a light shirt, which might blow out in the exposure of the thing. So, I mean, there's so many things that are considered. And, you know, my days are quite intense. People are like, oh, what do you do all day? Well, I've got appointments from like 7 a.m. until midnight most days, um, every day, because we have to diversify yeah. our portfolios. Well, one woman show mm. or one woman bag. 100,000%. So you started... That's inflation. <laughs> You started at 13 174%. Years. 174%. So you, every, every second we, we're going to go up on our inflation rankings. Started out mm. at 13. Mm. But being a performance artist is incredibly tough, especially mm. in comedy, not yeah. just in, in terms of the diversification that you need to do and becoming a jack of all trades mm. To, mm. to fill it. Mm. But some things that come to mind are discipline, mm. memory, mm. improv, mm. 
dealing with your audience. Mm. What happens if something bombs and they don't like it? And hecklers. Mm. So first of all, can you tell us when did you start becoming interested in comedy? Well, I wanted to be a rapper and I was terrible. Um, and then I wanted to be a DJ. I was very good at DJing, but I was using my then boyfriend's vinyls and he was like if you want to be a DJ you must buy your own vinyls and at that time I, I didn't have a lot of money so I was like oh, what's the what's the thing I can do that makes me successful and famous and I get to be an artist without any uh, overheads and I was like stand-up comedy because <laughs> outside of that I was friends with Lois Agola and Joey Rosdine in those days and um, they were like Nina you're so funny you really should get on the stage and then I would get on stage and tell jokes that I knew you know because that's how everyone starts you sort of tell a joke to get the experience of being on stage and then once the bug bit I couldn't really turn back because I realized this is actually my calling I am naturally funny and it's a great space for me to a push my political agenda which I'm always doing uh, I'm a bit of a disruptive uh, voice and a lot of people don't really understand what my my thing is they're like oh Nina because I do a lot of race um, resocialization uh, I mean, everyone thinks, oh, I'm just a clown. No, there's a lot of thinking that goes behind the things that I do. I've chosen a very difficult path with my comedy. Even the other comedians are like, why have you chosen this path? I'm like, because that's who I am. And because I'm smarter than you. Um, <laughs> well, they, they think I'm not, but I really know what I'm doing. But talking from race mm. resolution, mm. tell us more about that agenda. Um, so I started doing sort of social... Uh, integration work when I was in high school I was sort of a, I was about 15 I was on the SRC and the governing body of my school already and trying to find um, co-ops with the SRC in um, the, the the schools in the township uh, close to the feeder area where I lived so that they could benefit from the work that we were doing we were also a very progressive school we were a young uh, model c school but we were very progressive completely interracial in the 90s in pretoria already uh, which was quite progressive and we were working on creating a new way of um having the students have more rights in terms of their own discipline so setting up our own disciplinary council setting up our own uh rewriting the school code of conduct that gives students more rights um um, making sure that we understood who we were in the space. And then I was sort of like nominated, shortlisted for junior mayor of Pretoria and things like that. So political aspirations. Mm, yeah, political aspirations. But now that I'm in the stand-up comedy space, it's also, it's a very tricky and treacherous path. And I've, you know, I've got quite a lot of political affiliations and I work with the African National Congress quite a lot um, because I feel that that's, you know, that's where my affiliations lie just because I really feel that we have the most um, magnificent constitution in the country and with a little bit of help in terms of the management of that space we could be uh, we could be a really powerful country but there's a lot of resocialization but I think um, there's spaces that I feel a lot of our social problems stem from um, well there's many but basic education being one of them but social development in that there are a lot of alcoholics in townships um, that are left at home uh, those, you know, the knock-on effect of alcoholism in homes, absent parents, uh, children left alone with uh, people that are 
got no social training, uh, a lot of sexual abuse. Um, so having been a victim of all of these things, it's something that's very real to me. So, uh, I mean, I use stand-up comedy and it's all funny, ha-ha, but at the end of the day, end of the day I have a very mm. specific um, thing that I want to do to re-socialize this mm. country. And comedy puts across, for me, really like mm. poignant points. Mm whoever is is delivering the mm, message that mm. that makes people think about things mm. in a different way mm. it may come across as tongue in cheek but it's it's struck a note mm. and and resonates absolutely with you know and the best way to kind of uh, make changes to ridicule the thing enough for the thing to want to change itself. So I often use myself as so there were, I was struggling for a long time so in my stand-up comedy delivery I would be uh, quite self-righteous. Um, because I was still learning, because I mean, you can do comedy for 15 years and then one day all of a sudden something clicks. So I was learning how to be less self-righteous in my comedy and talking at people as opposed to using myself as the comedic martyr and going, look what I did. Look how I do this wrong. Look at me. I'm a fool. And then by making myself the fool, you win by seeing the, the fool in yourself. Yeah, mm. so it's personified mm. and it's storytelling mm. and we're better than mm. from a place of authenticity mm. you've grown through your career mm. you're now headlining acts mm. what does it take to get to the top of the game and more importantly how to stay there um i think i really enjoy floating just underneath the radar so i, I like being underestimated i think it's one of my most um uh, powerful tools and I learned this from karate I did karate for many years um, and people can't prepare for you if they don't even think that you are a worthy competitor so people often overlook me um, and then what happens is I've just carved my own little lane and my own little niche and I do my own thing and everyone's sort of competing for this pie that they think exists when what happens is if we develop an industry for each other, um, we all grow. So instead of comedians fighting amongst each other, um, our competition isn't other comedians. Our competition is uh, it girls and DJs. So at the end of the 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 end of your function that we're all trying to get that gig to MC. Um, we shouldn't be fighting amongst ourselves as comedians. If I do a good job this year, next year it's your turn or the next event is your turn and event bookers go, you know what, having comedians is a good thing as opposed to um, having someone that's a television or continuity presenter or somebody that's a DJ or whatever the case may be. So it's about building through representation. Again, be be the representative of the thing. Show up for yourself and then it represents you and other people that do the thing. Well, that's such a conscious development, not just for you as an mm. individual, but also mm. for the industry. Mm. What steps, measures? I call other comedians out on their nonsense. I phone them. I'm like, listen, you were late for this event. Now someone's never going to use us again. You were drunk at an interview. Now people are like, we don't want to work with comedians. When you're out there, you're not just representing yourself. You're representing comedy. Do better. Don't book up-and-coming acts at establish events. Put up-and-coming acts as support acts. Um, I found there was a club in Santon, a very sort of uh, well-put-together uh, venue, and they they were putting brand-new acts who were problematic, misogynistic, etc., etc. And I phoned the venue and I said, um, please may I facilitate booking uh, better acts? 
because I think it would be better for comedy as a rule. I sat down with a promoter and I said, this is what you're doing. You're doing more harm. Um, and as, a, as an exchange, I'll host a month at a discounted rate or whatever the case may be so that we can get better acts in because the people that are sitting in this room are the decision makers in our industry. We're in the richest mile of square mile of Africa in Santon and you're putting somebody that doesn't know who they are or what comedy is and they're insulting the MD of Vodacom or whatever the case may be and that person goes, oh, you know what, I hate comedy and then never books a comedian. Stop making decisions that affect more than just you. That's mm. a big responsibility, but it needs it needs I, to happen. I have no qualms in calling people out. You <laughs> clearly, yeah. You've performed at various festivals across the country, mm. and in the intro, I mentioned some of the more recent elements mm. from mm. one woman shows, one night stands to Mamina, and then Women's Day with uh, Kings and Queens comedy. Can you tell us more about? Your creative process, mm. what sparks you, what inspires you? You know, there's um, there's some comedians that have really helped me with this last little bit of my com- my comedy performances in how to access my own authenticity and my own vulnerability. Um, stand-up comedy is about being yourself, right? It's about being yourself. And in whatever decision you make, you have to be sure about that decision and you have to be authentic in that decision. And in order to get to the authenticity, you have to be vulnerable. So comedy is more about knowing who you are, which is why you have like comedians get better as they get older because you get to know yourself better. You get to know who you are. I'm a better comedian now than I was when I was 21 because I know who I was. The miracle of uh, Trevor's thing is that there's no secret to success, guys. You do the work and results accrue where goals exist. End of story. Like you can't, because when the goals exist, you start making decisions that facilitate you getting that goal. So you start uh, cutting out the fat in your life and you start making better decisions. If your decision is to be a better comedian, then you know that, uh, or if your goal is to be a better decision, then you know that you need to be yourself and that you need to start because people are like, oh, there's gatekeepers. No, there's not gatekeepers. You're a gatekeeper for yourself. If you're going to rely on um, opportunities that exist to facilitate your own success, mm. go create your own opportunities. What's wrong with you? And in this industry, it is mm. all about your own brand. Absolutely. So understanding and knowing yourself. Your own you brand, your own, uh, outside of your own brand, it's your own um I listened to such a great podcast that Amanda uh, Seals does on comedy, and she interviewed. Um, oh, I'm going to find it for you. Um, and basically, you know, you come into the industry and you look at the your predecessors and go, okay, that's what I have to do in order to become a successful comedian. I have to do corporate gigs. That's what Trevor did. I have to get a daily show, or I have to get whatever. Now Netflix exists. Okay, so then get a Netflix special. Okay, so then somebody coming in goes, I have to get a next Netflix special. No, you need an Instagram channel or you need a LinkedIn profile or whatever the case may be. Don't be stuck in the your predecessor's success. Don't be trapped by that being your goal. Create a new one. Create uh, your own route, which is what I did. I had to find a way to... Um, I existed when Purmanati was being shot. I existed. I used to go and sit at their offices and shadow them and say, how can I help you guys? And how can I learn? Uh, when they were doing uh, 
bunny chow the film i was sitting in their offices seeing how did these guys do their things i was trying to learn from them because i wanted to know how to be a part of that thing but there was no space for a white female comedian from pretoria i was just this random person so i was like how do i supersede my gender supersede my race and still have a relevant voice in the world without diminishing whatever that stands for mm. all about going on and creating your space i will always remember an interview that we had with sibongile komalo mm. and she was talking about the arts and she mm. said you know this is such a neglected subject in mm. a way but the arts teaches you confidence. Mm. It teaches you how to interact with mm. people. It teaches you about teamwork mm. and these really important life skills. Mm. Stand-up comedy definitely does not teach you about teamwork. I can tell you that much. It's just a whole bunch of individuals that really think about themselves, which is why sometimes as a community we have to call each other out. However, improv comedy I think is amazing. Um, my friend Claudine Ullman facilitates an improv course. My sister is a jeweler. She, she's doing her master's in Milan at the moment at Polytechnico. She's just been headhunted and is moving to Paris. Uh, she's just had this amazing thing. And one of her biggest stumbling blocks was communicating with people in spaces because she's very shy and she attended my friend Claudine who's part of my comedy collective or our comedy collective the Thunderbirds um, and Claudine does improv comedy for anybody for corporates whatever the case may be and you attend this course and Lilia that's my sister Lilia learned how to unlock performance aspects that she would need in presentations at work so here she is in a foreign country nobody speaks English but she was learning how to use her body language, her sign language uh, to communicate to people who couldn't necessarily understand her but she had the presence and the confidence in herself to present to people whose English wasn't as strong as hers but she believed in herself and it was engaging and uh, you know so yes the arts do do that and that's and the arts also give you the confidence to think of something differently maybe a comedian will give you an opportunity to think of something where I talk about estate agents I talk about I use examples of people in society of how we I've got this whole new set Tumanina is about this so Tumanina is send me okay Tumamina is send me right that's the translation that's what you know Sir Ramaphosa's campaign was about send me I'll go and do the work if you want to if you want to do a job do it yourself if you want a job done properly do it yourself right or take responsibility but my thing is Nina is my name uh, Tuma Nina, but Tuma ni Nina means like you people in Suzulu, like it means you guys. So send you guys. So basically what I'm saying is it's like a double entendre, but it's like a joke, like don't send me, send you. Um, <laughs> but actually send me because I'm this like martyr of like making all the mistakes in like accidental racism, accidental cultural appropriation. While I was trying to assimilate, I was appropriating. While I was saying this, this is how I saw it. I mean, it's not necessarily things that I've done. For example, I go and I, I was buying a, a flat and the estate agent was saying to me, you know, um, these underneath these carpets, you know, you're going to see this parquet flooring. Uh, so all you need to do, you know, you just get yourself an African gentleman to lift up the carpets. I was like, you mean a carpet remover? <laughs> you know, because he didn't use a racial slur in terms of the way that he was addressing someone, he didn't realize how racist it was to say, just get a person of color 
to do the heavy lifting for you. I was like, wow, this is so racist. And he doesn't know that he's doing it because he thinks that he's saying African gentleman is being respectful. No, you're being racist because you think that the only person that can lift a carpet is someone who's black. So it's like, you know, get with the program. So that's part of the essence mm. of Tumanina. Mm. Can you share with us another, another bit of a... Uh, a little tidbit of comedy. Um, I, I, I don't know why I love estate agents so much. Maybe because I just think it's the most ridiculous job. Um, <laughs> like the, these photographs of people on street poles that are taken badly, of people that aren't good looking. This, those pictures are not nice for us to look at, guys. We don't care about your face, Anniki Janssen von Rendsburg, or your blue crumpoline shirt and your perm that you had like a photo that was taken in 1983 why is that still a thing why is your own face on the side of your own car like what did you, do you don't you know where you park <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me and the problem is that here are people facilitating a, a place where you are going to live in a house and they don't share any of your ideals like hi guys yes i see the kumalos are coming to buy a house here in the east of pretoria i didn't know that you guys um, um, actually, you guys are allowed to buy houses, yeah, now. Um, <laughs> so she does this accidental racism the whole time. She does these social faux pas where she's like, yeah, this is the master's bedroom. I mean, the master bedroom. <laughs> we don't say that anymore. You know, like she, she's like this um, very racist, um, you know, having brought, being brought up in a system that taught you how to behave and to unlearn that in later in life where I mean like I was saying to my dad I was like dad you know that you you he had a stroke he his stuff is from um gout you know gosh it's pretty much every man in South Africa when they get six hit 60 they start getting gout it's because of our diets um we eat a lot of bread we eat a lot of meat and I was trying to explain to my dad to not eat wheat and how bad it is for you and I was like you know you can just go onto the internet and research things but my dad only thinks the internet is for forwarding silly videos on whatsapp on the whatsapps did you get my whatsapps on, on the line yeah <laughs> so exactly so it's uh, unlearning is hard unlearning is really hard and there've had to be some some examples that were made shame penny pa penny sparrow died of uh, colon cancer another estate agent another racist estate agent um i don't know why i've got this obsession with them moving away from <laughs> estate agents kings and queens mm. of comedy you know this is such a great um initiative in that uh it was a long time where women just weren't getting opportunities to perform and particularly not on big stages that kings and queens i mean it's an empress palace it's thousands of people um we, i've done that Durban ICC with the same promoters with Blue Blood, 6,000 people in a big stadium. And it's just, um, we, you know, why, uh, people don't really understand why men have grown faster than women in the industry. And I'll, I'll explain. It's very simple. Um, have you read Outliers? Gladwell. Yes. So, I mean, it's about the initial opportunity. So male and female comedians get the same space. Sometimes they'll get a, a headline spot at a comedy club, which allows them to practice and to be better with higher stakes very early on in their career. They get the the next gig, which is at a bigger mm. event. This was like the Beatles. Exactly. So forward. you get a bigger stage, a better opportunity, and in that you get better. You literally get the opportunities to be better faster. So my career took a little bit longer because it took me longer to get the stadium gigs, the big gigs, the TV gigs, things like that, even though I started at the same time as other people. Also, I mean, I don't want to say that... 
I wasn't good enough. I think maybe I wasn't good enough. Also, uh, there was that period where I was an alcoholic for a while. So um, that also stood in the way of my own success. But uh, <laughs> something I talk about all the time. Um, uh, and I just wasn't good at being poor. I was terrible. Uh, <laughs> I lost everything and I had to start my life all over again. Um, which is, I mean, what happens to a lot of people. Other people, it just happens in different guises. Some people just get divorced or whatever the case may be and they have to start in their mid-30s all over again. Um, so I don't hold myself to that thing. I you know, just talk about the journey of comedy. But that's what happens to a lot of other women. I've seen other women my age that are in the comedy space. Um, and the irony of the, the space is that I'm a white female in, this, uh, in comedy, which is ironically not a privileged position in comedy. But now when you are uh, privileged by being a white female in the first place, uh, it's difficult to argue that you are the diversity act. Um, so there's like this double-edged sword uh, in the comedic space where being a white woman is not a good thing. Um, yeah, so it's it's interesting. I mean, because, you know, race politics is something that we do talk about. And, it, you know, it's something that... Uh, so <laughs> Race resolution. Race said, resolution. It's part of your agenda. It's part of the thing. So it's just, it's difficult explaining to male comics um, that I am not at an advantage and that it's taken me longer to grow purely because of um, opportunities to get onto big stages. But now there's different things. There's opportunities for, there's the internet, which didn't exist when I started. I mean, it existed, but the YouTube, Instagram, things like that, uh, Facebook didn't uh, exist when I started stand-up comedy. Um, talent shows, um, newcomers showcases, all those kinds of things, Comics Choice Awards, these things didn't exist when I started. So people's rise to success is um it's like they're like rocket ships and it's really incredible um but i will never discount the amount of experience i can perform in a tavern in hamanskral or alison fifth in santon because i have worked every kind of room in comedy so you learn how to tap dance how to engage audiences uh from all and that experience at the end of the day you can't you, you can't replace experience with anything else, particularly in something like stand-up. So being a disadvantaged, mm. privileged woman, mm. interesting, double, yeah. double entendres mm. or all around, mm. you've, I mean, you've explained the, the, the whole aspect in terms mm. of the, the lag of getting women to the mm. top of the comedy mm. space. But besides that, do you find any other issues in, in disparities? Mm. So mm. from a, mm. a pay point of view? Not only that, let's just talk about the logistics of the thing. Women traveling at night to dodgy clubs by themselves um, is dangerous. I had a situation years ago where I'd been at a comedy gig and I got a lift home with a male comic. And, you know, I only remembered this recently because obviously a lot of the trauma are blacked out. Um, And this male comic had given me a lift home and I sort of came to and he had put my hand in his pants uh, when I woke up in the car. Um, but he'd offered me the lift home, you know, like, so there was like the sexual violence that happens in those spaces. Um, and it should be a trusted space. It should be a trusted space because we're, you know, we're colleagues. Mm -hmm. We're colleagues. Um, so there's, there's moments like that. There's the, you're driving to, or if you don't have a car, because I didn't have a car for many years and a lot of women, um, don't have cars. How do you get transport to, so I used to catch taxis from Pretoria. 
try and get a gig in Joburg, uh, then try, it's late at night, so you don't always have an opportunity. Sometimes you try and find a place to sleep over so that you, uh, you know, so you're often sleeping at uh, male comics houses, couches, things like that, just to get an opportunity to perform. And um, that puts you at risk a, a lot of the time. So, And then even now, I have a car, I have all of those things, but I'm leaving a comedy club in Bramfontein at midnight and I have to go through 17 Yaupe boys before I get to my car with like, those are like crazy people on drugs that are homeless and that are desperate and that will um, possibly hurt you and attack you, you know? So it's like, okay, Nyaupe boys is... Uh, I don't know if it's a racial slur. I know that it's not a nice word to say, but even the cops use those terms. So I, it's people that take nyaupe, and mostly men. I've never seen a nyaupe girl. Yeah. I'd like to see some nyaupe girls. Can we just, you know, have some equality? This is actually a friend of my friend of mine's joke, Gilly Apta. She's got such a great joke. She's like, yeah, she only gives money to female beggars because it's another male-dominated industry. <laughs> Thinking about it, yes, you are yeah. right. <laughs> So moving on from, let's say, uh, the, the comedy side mm. to more of a, a general perspective mm. on, on women in South mm. Africa, we've, in August now, yes. we're celebrating Women's Month, yes. and obviously it gives us an opportunity of, of looking back on where we've come from, yes. but also how we can move forward. Right. So in your opinion, given your experiences, what is it that you think we need the most to benefit women in the future? We need to put more women in rooms where men make decisions. And then, I mean, I have this fight with Comedy Central all the time. I'm like, please, can you just advertise the Thunderbirds? No, but you're not a diverse enough crowd. And then I sent them a photo of 30 male comedians having their soccer Sundays. And that's us three little girls who are trying to do a comedy night. And they're like, no, you're not diverse enough. I'm like, are you actually joking? So stop thinking that diversity means, uh, well, maybe look at the industry itself. Look at each thing and see what diversity means. Um, women need to be more present in spaces. Women need to be more present in spaces. Women need to be more present in spaces. And when you're a woman in a position of power in a space, use that power to empower other women. Don't just assimilate to the the whatever your boss is saying you know yeah. come on one woman in a room is not diversity exactly and it won't change the equation exactly at all. exactly one of the questions that i ask all my guests mm. on in the show is about some of the factors that they feel consider have contributed to their success so some people will speak about hard work or, mm. or perseverance mm. or the fear of failure mm. in your opinion what have been some of your key elements oh my god-given talent <laughs> this face was carved by angels um <laughs> how <No>. unique <laughs> um, best response yeah. we've ever had <laughs> um i feel like as i said earlier there's no uh secret to success um if you have some principles that you abide by there's no way that you can fail so um well, I think you used a wonderful expression. Mm. Results, results are where good. Mm. What was it? Where, where goals exist. Results accrue where goals exist. Results accrue where goals exist. So goals, goals affect decisions. Uh, decisions um, are things that you have to make all day. So is this worth it? Is that not worth it? Is this worth it? Is that not worth it? Is it worth it to eat this cake? 
um, the cake is going to make me feel depressed, lethargic, fat, affect my skin, all of those things. Okay, cool. So I'm not going to do those because I want to feel good. When I feel good, I make better decisions for myself so that I can perform my show. I'm also going to fit into my clothes so I can perform better for my show. Um, my skin is also going to look good so that I can perform better on the television show, uh, which takes less stress out of me being in the makeup room, which takes less stress out of my performance later. All decisions affect your performance. Well, we won't offer you that cake Yeah, then. don't give me any cake. I'm allergic. <laughs> what would you say growing up were some of the, the pivotal moments in your life? Sport defined me. Um, I, I threw myself into everything. I was actually very good at everything, which was a gift and a curse um, because it made it difficult for me to decide what to do. And then I had like I had a, a nervous breakdown when I was 17. It was a bit early to have a, my first breakdown. Um, Control-alt-delete. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was supposed to study physics. I was very good at science at school. I loved science. I actually wanted to study like rocket science. And I was like, oh, I'm not a rocket scientist. There's this great David Mitchell sketch where this guy's like, oh, it's not brain surgery. And then this guy walks into the room and he's like, oh, it's not exactly rocket science. Anyway, so. Um, I've seen it. <laughs> it was very funny. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, I had the I have the aptitude um, to do something quite scientific, but I think comedy is quite scientific. I think it's the science of people. Essentially, it's sort of uh, if anthropology, sociology, and drugs had a baby, <laughs> you'd have it would be comedy. called comedy. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's self awareness, awareness of others, the science of understanding, the balance between yourself, and all of those things. So, I think that. Defining moments, mm, I think it's a culmination of many moments. So I was a, a, a like a world champion in karate. I was, you know, head. I was lead in the musical. I was head of the SOC. I was this, uh, this. I did so many things. Academically, I was very strong. I went to the school for gifted children after school. So I did all of these things that empowered me and made me, a, uh, gave me all the tools. But I, um, I didn't know what my passion was just yet. And Comedy is still not my only passion. I think, um, and I think it's maybe clear that I, my responsibility, because everyone's like, oh, are you going to go overseas and be like Trevor? And I'm like, no, I, I, my responsibility is to South Africa. I love my country. I'm exceptionally patriotic. I love my country, and I feel like my country needs me. And there's woke Twitter that are all so problematic. They're like, oh, Nina, you're problematic. I'm like, okay, let's have this conversation to the end, Okay. First of all, you're 12, all right? So let's let's just see, okay? Uh, <laughs> this is going to sound patronizing and nasty, but that's a, f a forum where people don't have all the information and they bully you. And a whole, used to be 140 and now it's mm, 280 yeah. characters. Let's yeah. Have a, let's have an in-depth Let's have engagement. an in-depth engagement. And, and people are nasty. Um, and so I just don't, I don't engage on anything political on Twitter. I just go, oh, this is a lovely thing. I only say positive things on Twitter and that way you don't open yourself up to any sort of negative conversations. Now, lastly, because mm. we are running out of time. Sorry, I could talk for five hours. It's your job. <laughs> In closing our conversation mm. today, we are in Women's Month. Mm. Please, can you share a, a few words of inspiration? You strike a woman, you strike a rock. We're very strong. Don't ever doubt your own strength. 
Don't ever doubt your ability to hold all the people around you together. If you're a mother and you don't have a job and you think that that's not enough, that you're not contributing to society enough, there are some phenomenal women that hold together five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people around them, and that is a massive contribution to society. Um, women are doing much more. Women are like, like ducks. We're just floating around looking beautiful, but underneath that water we are we are, those little legs are moving um, and we're often doing a lot more than what we look like we're doing at, at face value so um, be proud of yourself forgive yourself forgive yourself whatever it is forgive yourself for being late for five minutes forgive yourself for forgetting that your child had hockey practice forgive yourself for not finishing that one degree that you wanted to do forgive yourself because once you've forgiven yourself you can make the next best decision mm. thank you very much thank and you. I think that's a Almost echoing the, the Tumamina and Tumanina mm. points there. Mm. Thank you so much for joining Thanks us today. Thanks for having me. I hope I was funny enough. I know I got quite serious. And <laughs> well, wishing everyone a happy Women's Day. Happy Women's Day. Take the day off. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman and Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to Nina Hasty, comedian, actress and voice artist.